Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. I, I gotta tell you, I got a little misty-eyed, and it was like, I can't get misty-eyed in front of these other journalists. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Cheris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you doing today? I'm a little throaty, but doing okay. Hanging in there. Yeah. Powering through, you know, <laughs> taking my inspiration. Me as well. Me as well. I did a lot of yelling this weekend, or I guess uh, announcing of verbal cues and officiating language at the roller derby tournament in Montreal where I was. Uh, so I'm recovering from that still and recovering from a lack of sleep. And I got to catch up with Team Olympic Fever member Erin Jackson. to Speedy J. I know. It was so exciting. I did get to do one of her games and it was really, it was cool when I, it was cool when I knew she was on the track, but I would often forget when she was on the track. Because she had a job to do. Yes, I had my job to do and she had her job to do. So I'd see her take the track and I'd be like, ooh, Heron Jackson. And it'd be like 17 seconds and I'm doing my little, I have to count the skaters. So I'd count the skaters and I'd forget she was there and the the play would start. And then every once in a while I'd see her do some like amazing move where she'd like be on her toe stops and people were trying to push her out and she would just kind of lean back and stay in bounds. And she just was amazing. I would watch her warm up uh, and... I could watch her warm up for hours. She would do, and we had, it was like a slick concrete floor, but she would do just laps on the outside, kind of slow and controlled. And then she'd do like one and a half. And then that last half lap, she'd just turn on the gas and accelerate around a turn and do an interval. And then, then she would coast for like two laps because she still had so much speed going. And it was just amazing. And just the speed she has, and she looks like she's putting in not, not almost no effort, but it's so controlled and so efficient with her movements. It's really amazing to watch her skate. Because I wanted, I was talking with somebody else. I'm like, oh, I want to put Erin up against another skater called Freight Train. And Freight Train is a really good skater as well. And she powers through and you could see her working and powering. And I just wanted to see the two of them on the track next to each other to see the one working kind of hard versus Erin 
with this very efficient movement and see how different it was. We had so it's more there's... style. Yeah. 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 There was a skater who thought she could race Aaron. <laughs> just like, oh, sweetheart, just as, no. She was looking back and Aaron was way behind her. And she's like, oh, let me go and see how I, how I can do it. And I guess in like three strides, Aaron was right there. And she's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> but that was yeah. fun. It was fun to watch her skate. So. Yeah, she could do like a hustler thing where she's like, I can't really skate. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you you want to race for money and, yeah, I don't you know, she needs more funds. Yeah. Just recommendation. <laughs> yeah. So after we were both done with our uh, tournament weekends, we sat down and talked to each other and talked about how her Pyeongchang 2018 experience was. You may remember She's a, a world-class inline speed skater, and last year she focused on transitioning to speed skating on ice and went to the U.S. Olympic trials to get some experience and ended up making the, the Olympic team in the 500 meters. So uh, fast forward to Pyeongchang, where she placed 24th with a time of 39.20, and that was uh, 2.24 seconds behind the gold medalist. But, you know, for somebody who had only been on the ice for a, f- a few months, that was really impressive. So here's how her Pyeongchang experience was. Let's talk about your journey to Pyeongchang first. You got sick. Did you get sick here and then had to travel or did you get sick over there? No, I got sick over in Pyeongchang because I didn't compete until like three weeks in. Yeah. So yeah. I was there a bit early, uh, beginning of February. I got sick, I don't know, maybe a few days before opening ceremonies. Okay. Yeah. And then that just derailed you. Did that did that knock you out or? Not really. We caught it really early. It never really got to be anything crazy. Okay. But, yeah. But yeah. So laid low. Um, how? What was processing like for you? Uh, the team processing. Yeah. Like getting all the stuff. Yeah, it was pretty it. awesome. <laughs> yeah, the stuff is definitely a big perk of uh, going to the Olympics. Just like getting all the cool uh, clothes and gear. So still wearing all of it. Um, So you were there a few weeks ahead of time. How much training did you get to do on a daily basis? Did you get access to the track or did they have practice tracks? Uh, Yeah, we had access to the track, the same racetrack. Um, So just we were able to do kind of our normal schedule, like two sessions a day. Uh, Normally like uh, one on the ice and then one, you know, either light weights or cycling, things like that. Okay. And then um, how was the olympicness of it was that a distraction because you were in the second week of competition like your race was in the second week of the actual games but did you you notice your focus so good yeah i mean uh yeah that didn't really get in the way of anything there weren't that many distractions you know i just kind of you know just hanging out with my friends who were also there to compete okay so yeah everyone kept each other focused okay so your race you um finished 24th but you had a decent time for what you had okay um how what was the ice like let's break down your race okay so the ice um it was a bit i guess harder than what we had trained on okay so does that what does the harder ice do for you well i i am still figuring out (laughs) everything about the ice so i don't really have any preferences yet about Mm -hmm. what i like for Mm -hmm. ice conditions um i just know that it felt harder okay and i think maybe I don't know, it might make me like subconsciously a little more cautious. Oh, okay. Yeah, because oh, harder yeah. ice kind of uh, breaks away easier. Okay. Yeah, yeah softer ice, you sink into it a little yeah. better. Yeah, we gotta have a little chat because I managed to get on some speed skates. Cool. And you told me like 
the first time we talked, you said, yeah, it's really weird because you got to really trust that blade. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how scary that was. Oh, yeah. Like, it was super scary. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was still really cool uh, to be able to do that. How did you feel on race day? I felt pretty good, yeah. Um, so when I got sick, I had to miss, you know, a few days of training. Uh, but luckily, everything cleared up in time for me to get like another two or three days on the ice okay. uh, beforehand. So yeah, I felt pretty good. Yeah. And then, how do you feel about your results? Or like when you watch the tape, do you know what to like? Oh, I could fix that, or this <laughs> can improve, or do you know yet? I just still have so much to improve, which. I mean, I think it's good mm -hmm. um, to just like have a bunch of things to work on and then I'll like pick a few things at a time. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that was kind of strange with my preparation is that like before I made the Olympic team, mm -hmm. I was training in a certain program, you know, developmental, just kind of learning. Mm -hmm. uh, then after I made the Olympic team, I joined the national team and their training program and things like that. So now I was surrounded by people who already knew what they were doing and they were just training to be better, you know, just right. like standard training, like what a national team would do. So I just kind of felt like, I don't know, it was strange for me to be there because I still needed to like learn things, oh, you right, know? Right. So when I was training with a national team, uh, it was just kind of like, I wish that I could still be in the developmental part and still like focus on learning because that's really what got me there, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but I think it all came together anyway. <laughs> like, like once I uh, got to the Olympics and my coach from before was able to join me, you know, okay. just kind of help me focus on the basics again. I think, yeah, it all came together. Okay. And you had your family there. Yeah. That was, was that, I mean, nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, did, you, did you know where they were in the stands? Did you see them? Yep. Yeah, I saw them in the stands because we had like a, a warm-up session before and I like found them and was waving at them and stuff. Um, yeah, it was really cool to have them there. Yeah. So now what's next? When do you go back to starting to train? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's do what's next. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. Okay, so I get back from here. My flight lands at like 11 p.m. in Orlando, right? Mm -hmm. Then I have like two hours. I'll probably get back at like maybe 1 a.m. at the earliest. Uh, then I probably will not get any sleep. I'll be packing for my next trip. Uh, and then I fly out to the Netherlands like noon the next day. Oh, wow. So this is really for, quick turnaround for the inline world championships. Holy cow. Yeah, so I'll be there for, for about three weeks, I believe. Um, and then from there, I will go to the indoor national championships uh, for inline. I'm not going to do much there. I kind of had to cut my trip short just because everything, like I'm starting to run out of time. Um, so yeah, I'm cutting my trip short there. I might just go for the weekend. Okay. Um, do a couple races and then I'll fly back home and get everything ready and then try to move out to Utah with wow. a little trip to RollerCon in between all my moving. <laughs> <laughs> and then all winter doing the doing right. training and whatever racing. Yeah, I plan to be settled in by August and then okay. train through the winter, see what happens. Oh, yeah. So I have a question. When I tried the short track speed, speed skating thing, uh, uh, Jessica Corman was one of the two skaters who was like leading this. Oh, so you show. did the, the tour? Yeah, I did okay, the road cool. show. And so she, I asked her why she chose speed, speed skating or, or short track prefer, preferred to long track. Right. And she said, I really liked the pack thing and I didn't like skating against the clock. So even though you have the inline background, is, at, but you have this derby aspect, so you have both to choose from the short track speed skating pack stuff or going against the clock. Why do you 
why did you go with long track? Um, it's not that I went with long track. It's more that I qualified for the long track Olympic team. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So <laughs> I was trying to do both. I was trying to do both. Okay. Um, but short track is definitely a lot more technical, and I didn't progress as quickly with short track. Okay. But like when I first went out to Utah, I thought I was going to be a short track skater. Um, but I just kind of progressed with long track a bit more. Uh, just like thinking about long track, it's everything I dislike about inline skating, you know? Like skating by yourself and skating against the clock. Because uh, we have some time, well, we used to have time trials in inline. They just got rid of them okay. uh, not too long ago. But yeah, the time trials were always my least favorite because, like Jessica said, like being an inliner, we're more pack racers. Mm -hmm. uh, we like to get in there okay. and, you know, mix it up and race actual people instead of the clock. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely plan to keep training on short track. Okay, and see what and happens. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, yeah. last question, what was your favorite souvenir you brought back? Favorite souvenir? Well, let's see, I had to buy an extra suitcase to get, <laughs> to get all of my stuff home. I had, I think, four, no, I think I had five bags that were all overweight. So out of all that, let's see, I don't know, I just liked all the clothes. Like as far as souvenirs go, I think just like the clothing that has like the Olympic logo, mm -hmm. it's hard to pick one piece. <laughs> um, I don't know, I really like my polo jacket that's got like okay. the crazy stars and stripes uh -huh. on it. And I like the Nike jacket. It's like actually the metal jacket. Like if you want a metal, that's what you wore up. Oh yeah. On this. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I didn't get to wear it officially, but I like to wear it now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have your ring? Did you get your Olympic ring? Yes, I just got the Olympic ring about a month ago when we did the White House visit. Okay, well, yeah. how was that? Yeah, it was fun. It was a little chilly on uh, the actual day, but not too bad. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, we are very excited for you. <laughs> We're going to follow you, and uh, best of luck. Thank you. See you for 2020. Thanks. Thank you so much, Aaron. Best of luck to you at the Inline Speed Skating World Champs. We'll have links to that tournament in the show notes, and we'll keep an eye on how she's doing and let you know on social. So, so she's going to the Netherlands. She's going to the Netherlands. It just sounded crazy what she still you, has you to You know do. what that means. She may run into my favorite Olympic royal fans. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I wonder if they're inline, because you would think that would just translate. I know. And and King Willem Alexander loves a good sporting event. So I wonder if that shows up in these things. <laughs> Maybe they're going on for a while. But I was I was fascinated to hear that she was also trying short track and that this is just what took took first. This is just you know, let me see where it falls. Right? <laughs> This amazing. kid is so amazingly talented. And I know. Such a hard worker and such an incredible athlete. I'm so excited for her. Yeah, I can't wait. To, yeah. Between now and the next time around. Yeah, it's going to be amazing because I just, yeah, what is she going to be able to do? If she was Olympic caliber in one event, will she be able to do both long track and short track? I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I, she works so hard and uh, with the speed that she can get. Man, mm. there's no telling what you can do. I know. I'm excited. The other cool thing that I got to do in, in Montreal was go to an opening for a brand new experience at what they call the Canada House, which is the Montreal offices of the Canadian Olympic Committee. And they have a brand new Canadian Olympic experience event, and it's a little museum that has three different zones. It's on the ground floor 
of the office building where the the Canada uh, Olympic Committee offices are. And so there's three different zones to this museum. There's this interactive section where you've got a couple of stations where you find your sport. And then and in the finding your sport bit, they go through nine different exercises. So it wasn't like what you liked and what you, uh, you know, this I like to be outside in the cold. You know, that kind of thing that you sometimes get with what your sport is. So they did do gender and height and weight and arm span. And they did like balance and grip strength and jumping. So to see how high you could jump. (laughs) That would be funny for me. Yeah, it was hilarious. But (laughs) it was hilarious until someone said, hey, tuck your knees up. And suddenly I jumped higher on the last the last one. And then it pops up with what your sport is. And then it the the really cool thing about that is you can put your email address in and it will tell you, get you connected with where you can actually go and try it out if you're interested in trying. Oh, Which I thought cool. was the, like, you know, that's the that's real really connection where, where people don't know when to get involved or where to get involved. So that was cool. My sport was weightlifting. Really? Yes. I was kind of surprised at it, but also not given my <laughs> age and weight <laughs> and, well, no and, uh no that does kind of make sense to this to the to the short compact powerfulness right 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 and it could be i don't know how my balance balance really range that i can't remember good. yet but i try and maybe the whole like the jumping helped. I don't know. It was interesting. I would, you know, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't mind knowing what the the science is behind how they figured that out. But I had been with you because then I it would know, have been funny to see what we both would have gotten. It would have. It would have. And uh, yeah, well, Especially maybe if we I got do something a... on the water. <laughs> I don't think you're getting rowing anytime soon. No, coxswain. Yes. That would yes. Be my job. Yes. Um, then they had some interactive try it out stuff. So they had little track starting blocks Ooh. and they had a bobsled simulator thing. And then they had another, uh, uh, it was a dual function interactive machine that had fencing and moguls. So you would take a little weapon and then you would have to lunge against a fencer on a screen. And where you hit gives you so many points. And then they would rate you on how your, you know, your accuracy was and your speed was and, and one other metric. And then they had the moguls one. You simulated going down a moguls course and you'd have to jump on, like spots would come across the floor and you'd have to jump on the spots and it would register the same thing. And then there were like two jumps. So you would actually have to jump in the air and have some kind of form and land and then go right back to jumping in your in the spots again. And again, it would be like your accuracy, your jumping height kind of thing. They would give you little okay. little maple leaves. When you, oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> when you first said that, I was thinking, wait, is the fencing and the mogul at the same time? So you're skiing <laughs> and like fending Sad- off attackers with no. your sword. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That would be fantastic. It'd be like the prisoner of Zenda. <laughs> okay, that's a really old reference, isn't it? All you kids, go look up the old movie, The Prisoner of Zenda. So <laughs> then you went into a different section, went across the hall in the office building to another like storefront 
what would have been another storefront and they had a history section so they had over a uh, over a century of stories about unforgettable canadian performances so that was really cool because it had photos and and videos and and other pictures and then finally you wound your way into the, what they called the visual experience which was a big video that was uh on a curved screen so it was maybe about 180 degrees or so and then it was a big they called it, it's a montage and also a collage because there's just little tiny photos everywhere and video clips. And it would be like that montage they show at the end of every games on NBC where yes. it's the thrilling bit. And then you had the bit where uh, things don't go so well and then they overcome that and you've got all the music. And I, I got to tell you, I got a little misty eyed and it was like, I can't get misty eyed in front of these other journalists. But, you know, you'd see like, oh, there's Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer and oh my gosh, there's Elvis Stoiko and they've got uh, Petty Alexiak, the swimmer. And it was really cool. And, you know, they had the music going and it gets you, it gets you right at the heart. It was really, it was so a cool no, thing. No other journalist was getting misty eyed? Not that I noticed because I refused to look at anybody else cold <laughs> so after after we got a little tour i spoke with uh, Fodi uh soritopoulos who is the director of communications and media relations for the canadian olympic committee about the museum and the exhibit so take a listen what do you hope that visitors get out of this well, there's, there's three aspects to it. We, we hope they have fun. Uh, the first aspect, the interactive aspect, is a whole bunch of fun with uh, all these, uh, these um, uh, screens and, and interacting with, uh, with other athletes and that sort of stuff. The second aspect is a historical aspect. It's, it's going through the museum and finding out 100 years of history of Canadian Olympism. And the third one is really uh, an immersive experience. So we want people to be immersed and feel what it feels like when they go, when an athlete goes into an Olympic stadium and is surrounded by um, by fans applauding and all the preparation and all the work that it takes to uh, to become an Olympian. Ultimately, we want little children to be inspired and and take up a sport, uh, not necessarily to become an Olympian, but at least take up a sport and be active. Did you do the what is your sport? I haven't done it yet. I, I, I've left all the uh, journalists. I, I, you know what? I've been working on this for months, but I haven't done any of the activities yet. I was too afraid to break anything before it opened. I thought, okay, I'll let the journalists do it, and then I'll, I'll get it to it. It was a lot of fun. It's, uh, have you done uh, any of them? Um, I, I did the, uh, the What Is Your Sport, which yeah. I thought was pretty uh, um, intense. You know, Sometimes it's just like, well, what do you like to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I liked our little child. I think there's a portion, I'm not sure if it's in that portion or not, but where you put in your email address and depending on what sport you are paired up with, uh, there's links to the National Sports Federation that's associated with that sport that are, are sent to you and ways to that you can actually involve yourself and, and participate in that sport locally. And that's really cool because that's where the, like, the hard part comes in, is yeah. figuring out how to get involved. So yeah, absolutely. it seems like a nice way to get people interested in that yeah that's the idea it's just to get people interested in sport it's it's, it's the the basic principle of it all great well thank you so much nice to meet you thank you so much thank you so much Fodi, and thank you so much for having me uh canada house uh if you choose to go which i think you should there's there should be no choosing so when next time you're in montreal you should go 
uh, is located in downtown Montreal at the corner of uh, Rene Levesque and Beaver Hall. The address is 500 West Rene uh, Levesque Boulevard. The experience is open Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and tickets cost between nine and thirteen dollars. They they say Wait, nine and thirteen dollars Canadian. Canadian. Yes. So that's cheap. Yeah, it is really cheap. And it takes about they, they said it would take about 90 minutes to go through it all. And that seems about right with all the interactive things that they have. Expect to spend a little bit of time there. And then it, what is also really cool about the building is that they have the Olympic rings on top and they have some Olympic rings outside and they've got this really cool. It, it looks like a flame and. It's got, Did you post that? Yes, yes. Yes, because so that was beautiful. Yeah, and it's got like a light. The flame lights up, and it's got moving lights going up. And it's yeah, it's, it's like gorgeous. an artistic interpretation in yes. lights yes. of the flame. Yes. So yeah, it, no, I thought beautiful. that was very yes. cool. So and it the the rings on the building are a big deal because the IOC doesn't let them be displayed like that very often. I don't know all of those details, but I remember. Uh, reading some stuff about the the rings being being allowed to display the rings like that was a was a very nice tip of the cap of the IOC to Montreal. So it's really okay, cool. I, I do want to mention one thing. Yes, because the director gave you some great information, but I do mm-hmm. want to mention how fantastic it is that he has a Greek name. <laughs> he was destined to work. At the Olympic Committee with that kind of name. That's fabulous. It was fabulous. But everyone was so nice. And it just, it was really cool. It was such a cool thing. I did talk with, um, they had some Olympians there. I talked a little bit with uh, Sandra Sassine and Julie Mahoney, who are Olympic fencers. And also Phil Marquis, who was uh, Olympian for freestyle skiing. And uh, hopefully we're going to try to get them on the show at some point. So fantastic we've got their information they were very nice and they were having a lot of fun trying out each other's sports on the uh the interactive thing so sandra was doing the moguls and phil was trying to fence and it was very funny they were like wait wait i can't do very well (laughs) i'm trying to get this isn't that reassuring that you know olympians are just like us yes yes exactly so yeah that was really really cool everyone should go on to other stuff. We've got like a lot of business to take care of today. It seems I know. Like. We've got a lot of things floating around. You'd think right. summer would be our quiet time, but yeah, no. No, no. And you've got some breaking news. I do. I just it just popped up when we sat down. So let me pull this up. Okay, so we just got word that the International Skating Union, who is the uh, organizing committee for all of skating, suspended two of the Chinese judges that worked Pyeongchang was Huang Feng and Chen Wei Guang were both banned for various lengths of time based on simply reviewing their score sheets. Really? Yeah, there was no... Uh, so it says here, the I, so this is from Around the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ISU's disciplinary commission reached their decisions without consulting testimonies from officials or video footage from the event. Their scores alone proved national bias. Wow. Yes. Did it say which events they judged? Uh, let, mm-hmm. No, it didn't say specifically which of the uh, skating events. Okay. Uh, they they were on the committees for. But yeah, so just reviewing their score sheets 
I guess their scores were so significantly different than the other judges and so heavily weighted to the Chinese skaters. That is amazing. And not good when Beijing is the next winter host. Yes, and not good when, I mean, it was the skating judges scandal in 2002 that changed so much of the scoring and how it's competed. So upsetting to still hear national bias right in the judging that was apparently so obvious you really didn't even need that much of an investigation for it wow that is it's amazing it's sad yeah Yeah, if we get some more information you know between now and next episode we will we will try and follow up on this and see see what else well and it's frustrating because they the isu is obviously trying to figure out systems that prevent this national bias. And when you have a judge sport, there's not that they aren't, you have a judge sport and people are human. So not that bias creeps in. I'm sure most judges and referees and other officials keep bias out as much as possible. But, you know, to see that they've developed a scoring system to try to focus solely on the skating and not somebody's interpretation and yet it still shows up. Right. Way. And we've talked about the ladies champion, Med Zagitova, excuse me, kind of gaming the judging system. Right. With, with the putting all her jumps in the second half of the right. program. Right. And both Russian skaters using the whole arm position. You right. Know, we talked to, to Jackie Wong about that. So there's a lot of things still happening with skating judging that is problematic, which is upsetting. Well, that's that is news and shocking and sad, but yes, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We got a surprise the other day. Yes, we got a voicemail from Superfan Sarah. It was so exciting because I we haven't talked to her in a little while, but we talked to her online a lot, which is yes. fun. But it's it was so nice to hear her voice, and we we would still love to hear from any of you at any time. So you can call us at five three zero. Seven six three three eight three seven. That's five three zero seven zero fever. You can also, if you don't want to call us, you can send us an email at info at olimfever.com and let us know what's on your mind. And here's our voicemail from Sarah. Hi, friends. It's Sarah in Texas, aka Superfan Sarah. I miss y'all. Um, okay, so I'm driving and I am catching up on the Paris episode. And Allison, 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 we are so meant to be friends. Obviously, Jill, us too. Um, so you talked about, like, how Claire loved Izzy, which I loved Izzy too. I played the video game. Izzy was amazing. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. Loved it. Um, for me, my thing as a child when I probably should have been sending red flags to my parents that I was insane is that instead of watching princess movies and all that, like, Lion King made-up story junk, I was busy watching reruns of Barcelona and Atlanta. So I would reenact medal ceremonies. My friends would want to dress up as make-believe princesses, which was just ridiculous to me and so lame. And so instead... I would just play the test tapes over and over and over, and then I knew that Coca-Cola was a major sponsor of the Olympics, and so somehow I ended up collecting a bunch of Coca-Cola memorabilia. 
Consequently, I have a bunch of random Atlanta Coca-Cola bottles, and I don't even know what to do with them these days. So, um, yeah, I think we've all been there. And chariots sure, of fire as a kid, why the heck not? <laughs> it just means you're special, right? Which I probably would have heard if I would have been watching kids programming, but instead I was too busy watching ESPN Classic and reliving games of years past. Hope y'all are doing well, and I'll talk to y'all soon. <laughs> Bye. You know what this weekend is, Allison? What is this weekend, This weekend, this weekend, this Saturday is the actual day of Olympic Day. Yes. June 23rd, 70th anniversary. But we've been celebrating for a while now. Yes, we have. (laughs) And I've been digging in the archive. Have you seen what I've I have seen. I saw a lovely picture of you swimming on Insta. Today, there is another uh, throwback picture. That okay. got posted. Excellent, excellent. So yes, and there's there's more to come. Excellent. I have some some recreations coming. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Awesome. I will be posting up a video because I did go swimming at the Olympic Park in Montreal. I I went again and I took a little <laughs> video, not of me swimming because I, sh- I wasn't. I going shamed to. you into yes. returning. No, but that was okay because it was a beautiful pool and I was happy right. to swim in it again. That's for sure. So I will post that up online as well. If you are doing something for Olympic Day, trying a new sport, learning something about the Olympic movement, buying somebody a steak dinner for no strings attached, post it up. Or, or you know, sending us a watch. <laughs> Why was it always watches? Because watches are fancy and they're nice. Okay. I don't know. Swiss, you know what? It's Swiss engineering. <laughs> but then couldn't the IOC get their own damn watch in Lusane themselves? You would think. <laughs> Do your thing for Olympic Day and post it on social media with the hashtag OFOD. And we will look forward to seeing more of those over the next weekend. Hopefully you are also well into our first book club selection, which is The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. Book Club Claire has had some initial discussion questions, so we've posted those on our Facebook page and Twitter. So join in the conversation there. Each one of those is slash old limb fever to find the page. And there's a quick reminder that if you would like to listen to the audiobook, you can get a free download and 30-day free trial at audible.com. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash old limb fever to sign up for your free trial. If you do, Uh, sign up for the trial. This will help support our ongoing costs for the show, which we would greatly appreciate it. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash fever. I'm excited about the book. I'm digging into it right now. I I am in the book, but I'm in the part of the book where everything bad is happening. Oh, no. You know, sort of the dark before the dawn kind of section. Okay. So I stayed up a little too late last night trying to get out of the dark part. Because it was really good. I'm like, I know they're going to win. I know that it's going to be all okay. But I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay. So I'm I'm very excited. I love the book so far. Oh, though. good, good, say. good, good. No, good it's job. really, really good. Excellent. We also wanted to talk about, we've been doing a lot of work. I talked to a lot of people in, in Canada. We had, uh, we've been crossing some interviews off the list and, and working on getting some more interviews lined up. So we just wanted to let you know who's coming on the show. I talked with Canadian Olympic synchronized swimmer Jacqueline Simoneau, and she is fantastic. 
I had so much fun talking with her. Good shout out to listener Susan and Meredith for asking questions on our Facebook page. I got to use them in the interview and Jacqueline thought they were great. So they really helped our conversations. Thank you for that. I just want to tell you as is a, a preview of that. She has to do a split workout every day. If she does not know a split workout, she does not keep her splits. Really? Yes. She's not very flexible, apparently. She says she's not I flexible. Can, I can still do a split. <laughs> can you? I am not very flexible. I could, I've could. i done the splits exactly once and never been able to do them again. Okay. Well, now I'm going to have to go take a picture of myself doing a split. And, and that'll be that'll be for a, I may never get up again. No, I have to warm up and stretch yes, and stuff, no, but yeah. I can still do it. She so, has to yeah. warm so up. So that's surprising to me. So that yes. her flex, so her hip yes. flexibility. Yes. Is a, so. But I bet she's got fabulous hair. She's it's blonde. It's long. Well, why would you think it? it I mean, I'm okay, not so first why. Okay, I should save this for the synchronized swimming show, but I'm going to tell it to you now. I was always told that synchronized swimmers get that perfect hair. That stays like that in the pool because they put Nox gelatin in they it. They do. We talk about this. Yes. Okay. And it hardens, but also Nox gelatin, very good for your hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, she does have nice hair. I would I would say that. But I, I don't think they're using the gelatin every day. Oh, okay. So But still they have to use it enough that, you know. Yes, we do we do have a an interesting gelatin conversation because what okay, some good, of the, good. So oh, so you get to, you I, get to hear some of the sure ins and outs about true. that too. So, yeah, that was a great interview, a lot of fun. So we're going to have that. Today, uh, before uh, before we sat down to tape, we talked to U.S. Ice Dancing Gold Medalist from Sochi, Charlie White. That was so exciting. Let's just say, yet again, I'm patting myself on the back <laughs> for not totally making a fool of myself as a fangirl. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to. He was and- so awesome. So yes. at this point, you, you did, at one point I did say to him, I'm very proud of myself for not fangirling on you. <laughs> and he just, and he laughed. So I was like, yeah. But he was great. We had he's a great fantastic. Com- conversation. A great yeah. Just the end, end, he's winning me over on the twizzles. See? Little cheese. Little cheese. What, how does he do it? I don't know. You'll have to tune into that episode to find out. Also on the docket, we talk about we're going to talk about ni- Montreal 1976 legacy because we're coming up on the 42nd anniversary of the Montreal Games in 1976, and what we constantly hear is uh, about Montreal in a non-sporting capacity because these were the games of Montreal or these were the games of Nadia Comaneci and uh, Bruce Jenner and the East German swim team and uh, a lot of and they were T-box Olympics. So yes, they were they, but in a non-sporting capacity, you hear a lot about how much they cost and how long it took to pay off. So it took until 2006 for them to pay off the Olympics and the stadium has a dual nickname. It's called the big O is because it looks like an O from the air, but it's also called the big O O W E because it took so long for it to be paid off. But the thing is what people don't talk about is what the Olympic Park is like today. And it's extremely vibrant. It's a really cool place. A lot of really neat things going on, uh, both for athletes and for the public. And uh, contributor Ben Jackson and I got on to take a tour with Cedric S. Simony, the park's public relations advisor. And he drove us all around the stadium 
They took us up in the tower. They took us by the pools. He took us into, they've got a, a sports institute for uh, Quebec in there. We got to, to pop in there really quickly. And he took us around uh, Place Nadia Comaniche and then told us a little bit about some of the other buildings that are in the park that don't really belong to the Olympic Park anymore. So we'll get into that in a few weeks. I also, So, so yes. what's the gift for the 42nd anniversary? I, that's a good question. Would it be maple sugar candy? <laughs> perhaps. Maybe. So, sold in the gift shop. Per, perhaps some chlorine for the pool. <laughs> the pool complex is just amazing there, but I, I won't I won't go on about that anymore. I also got to sit down and talk with the mayor of Montreal's Olympic Village, Yvonne Dubois. And he told me how he developed some of the Olympic Village innovations that we kind of take for granted today. He was a lot of fun to talk to. He's this fun old Quebecois gentleman. And did he smoke? No, I don't think so. No, he did really? not. Really? No, we went. I was. Huh. I, I went to his office, which was in his apartment, but it was a very nice office. But he was so into creating a community and having unity and fun mm. and developing stuff. So one of the innovations that he, we talked about was having the one large communal cafeteria because before huh. 1976, everybody had their own little chef. So the Italians would have the Italian chef and the British would have the British chef. And he said, no, we are not doing that anymore. Every one big cafeteria. And then you mix and mingle. Huh. And he was talking about how at the beginning of the games, you you see everybody sitting with their own teams in their own countries. And then by the end of the two weeks, you've got everybody mix, mixed together and enjoying themselves like that. And, and really getting that Olympic spirit through connecting with other countries. So that was really cool. Very nice. So we're also working on more fencing. I know that you've got some stuff in the works for that. I'm very excited I do. to see. We're trying to talk to some people from badminton and archery and diving and track cycling and rowing and more. So if you have any burning questions about any of those sports, get in touch with us and we will put your questions on our list. Huh. I'm tired just reading that. <laughs> I'm too. looking at that going, man, that's that's a lot of stuff we got going on. That's cool. It is cool. I'm excited. I'm a, I'm really I'm tired. excited. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff in the hopper. I'm really excited to share these interviews and I'm really excited to see what else we can get or what other sports we can get knowledge on. I don't know. It's been it's been fun. It's been I a know. fun couple of weeks. We're glad to have you home. Thank you. I think we're gonna call it a day. We got some work to do, some sports to do, yeah. some napping to catch up on. Some some posts to make. Yeah, definitely. Some OFOD people, O-F-O-D. get on it. OF hashtag OFOD. I'm excited. I know. So on that note, we will see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening and keep that flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at OlimFever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. All you kids, go look up the old movie, The Prisoner of Gender. <laughs> <laughs>